Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. I don't know if you know it or not. You may already know this, but we are actually in the very middle of the 12 days of Christmas. We know the song about the partridge in the pear tree. I always thought that that was like 12 days leading up to Christmas, but it starts on Christmas and it goes through January the 5th. And so since we're in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas, I'm taking advantage of that. And we're going to continue a Christmas series this morning, uh, talking about cosmic Christmas. Nativity scenes are full of common characters. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them one character that you know of that's in a nativity scene. All right. We've got, we've got animals in the nativity scene, right? We always have animals. We have donkeys or cattle or sheep. And then there's, there's heavenly beings in the nativity scene. We usually have some angels who are there. We have some people, some earthly beings who are there. We have, uh, Joseph and, and Mary and we have shepherds and wise men. We always have the little baby Jesus. But one thing you will never find in a nativity scene is a dragon. But as we read in Revelation chapter 12, we see that there was a dragon present at the birth of Jesus. And we'll continue to talk about that today as we talk about the cosmic conflict that is ongoing. Hear the word of the Lord from Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. And the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice You heavens and all who dwell in them. 
But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Silent night. All is calm. All is bright. Not Christmas from heaven's perspective. In the spiritual realm, there is war. And John's revelation takes us behind the curtain. It reveals, as revelation should do, it reveals that there is a conflict, a cosmic conflict, that is raging. And the coming of the Messiah into the world took the conflict to an entirely new level. See, Christmas is messy. Was Christmas messy at your house? Did you have a lot to clean up when everybody left and when the presents were open and when the food was eaten? Christmas is messy. Well, Christmas is messy. Christmas was messy. The circumstances around the Messiah's birth were really disgraceful. There was rumors of infidelity. There was contemplation of divorce. The circumstances around Jesus' birth were really dirty. There was this long, dusty trip. There was a birth in a feed trough. The circumstances around Jesus' birth were dangerous. There was a king who was threatened and had murder on his mind. And there was a new family who became refugees in Egypt. So that was the first Christmas. A messy Christmas. And what was behind all the darkness... What was behind all the evil? What is the source of this darkness and this evil revelation gives us a view of who is behind all of that? And it's a great dragon, a lurking dragon. And the the heavenly voices that sing, sing a song about heaven and sing hallelujah and glory. But for the earth, their song says, woe to the earth. Because the earth is dragon territory. The earth on that day was dragon territory. The earth today is dragon territory. The world that we live in is is broken. And evil is rampant. And injustice abounds. and, And the innocent suffer. And there are those of you in this room right now who know that. And are living that. And have lived that. And for all of us who continue to live, we will live in that reality. Merry Christmas! But in the midst of this darkness, a great light has appeared. 
And in Revelation, the best description I know of is that Christmas is D-Day. You know what D-Day was in World War II? The day that the, the Allied forces had gathered all the strength that they could possess, the mightiest armadas and, 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 and air wings and soldiers on the ground that the world had ever seen. And they, on D-Day, they stormed into enemy territory. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is Normandy. The arrival of the one who could defeat the enemy. The arrival of the one who could slay the dragon. And he got a beachhead into enemy territory. That's what Christmas is from Revelation's view. And I think that God through John gives us this glimpse of a different kind of Christmas view. Because the only way that we can really cope... With what is going on around us is if we understand what is going on above us and what is going on around us. And what is going on? What is going on is that a reign, a kingdom, a rule is being disputed. See, we don't call it Jesus mass. We call it Christ mass. Jesus is his name. Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. He is Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the rightful king of the cosmos, of the universe, of everything that exists. Because he is the one who created it all. And he is the king. And so a reign and a rule and a kingship. Who is going to have control? Who is going to have authority? Who is going to have power? That is what is at dispute Herod didn't dispatch his soldiers to kill because just another baby was born. Herod dispatched his soldiers to kill because another king was being born. His name is Jesus. He is not just another teacher. He is not just another life coach. He is the true and rightful king. And the, de- the dragon has been fighting against his reign since the very beginning. And throughout all of world history, the dragon has been using Herods. He has been using governments. He has been using institutions. He has been using powerful and influential people to suppress the reign of King Jesus in this world. If you go to China, do you know that China, we think of China as a godless, atheistic country. Did you know that China has a minister of religion? China has a sanctioned church. It's called the Three Self Church. But very few Christians attend the government sanctioned church. The hundreds of millions of Christians who live in China... Almost all of them attend underground churches. Why? When there's a government-sanctioned church, when there's a minister of religion, why would you go through the persecution and the hiding that that is entailed? Why wouldn't you just come out in the open and go to that government church? The reason is because at the government church, before you can give your allegiance to Jesus, you have to first give your allegiance to the Communist Party. And here's the problem with that, folks. 
When you give your allegiance to two things, you actually give no allegiance at all. It's interesting also that in these government-sanctioned churches, they cannot read or study Revelation. Why is that? Because the, the truth that is revealed in Revelation is no party, no government, no nation, no king, no Caesar will ever be able to stand against the king of kings. Every power will ultimately have to bow. Every person will ultimately have to bow before the sovereignty of the one true rightful king. His name is Jesus. Because Jesus did not just come to redeem, He came to rule. He didn't just come as Savior. He also came as Lord. And when the angel was announcing to Mary his coming in Luke chapter 1, he said, he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And that's what disturbed Herod. When the wise men came, they asked him, Where is the one who has been born king? Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to do what? We have come to worship him. And see, the serpent has always known that the scepter does not rightly belong to him. And while he could not succeed in keeping Jesus from coming, he has had great success in keeping people from coming to Jesus. And in every culture and in every age, Christians must deal with this reality that we have to stand against the dragon. But we stand not as victims. We stand as victors. That's the message of Revelation. Because our enemy can be defeated. You have an enemy in your life. And he can be defeated. And I'll just give you a heads up. The reason I'm teaching this particular series before and during and after Christmas is because in the new year, I'm going to teach a series on how to defeat the enemy in your family and in your life, how to have real victory in your life. It's a very practical series. It's going to follow up on some of the things we've been talking about all year long, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about freedom in Christ. Talking about the reality of the spiritual realm and the impact it has on our lives. And so pay close attention to these theological truths that surround the coming of Jesus into this world. Because they are foundational to defeating this dragon who has been hurled down to earth and who has turned his attention to us in our daily lives. Because the enemy can be defeated. For every one of us, the enemy can be defeated. Here again, this song from heaven. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. 
the one who accuses them before God day and night, they have defeated him. How? By the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, we've been equipped with cosmic weapons that we can use to defeat this dragon, this devil, this Satan, this accuser. And it starts with the blood of the lamb. There was a time when the dragon, when Satan was allowed to stand in the very presence of God in heaven and accuse those who were righteous. Can you, can you imagine that? There was a time when Satan stood beside the throne of God and accused those who were righteous. Job is probably the most well-known example of that. But there are actually a couple of other places in the Old Testament where that scene is depicted for us. Why in the world would he have been allowed to stand in God's presence? Why in the world would he be allowed to accuse those who are righteous? I'll tell you in one word, because everything he said was true. We were sinners. We were unrighteous. We couldn't stand before God because of our sin. The things he said about sinners were true. And see, that was the dilemma that was before our God, who is holy and who is just and who cannot have sin exist in his presence. And so how could God hold to his justice And yet still show the mercy he so much wants to show for those he loves. The answer is that he sent Jesus. Jesus is where justice and mercy meet. Jesus is where holiness and love meet. Jesus came. He was fully God, the son of the most high. Yet he came and took on flesh. Fully man, fully God, and he lived a perfect, obedient, sinless life before his father. There was not once that he ever didn't do the will of God. Therefore, he is a worthy lamb. He is able to present himself as a sacrifice in our stead. The wages of sin are death. That's what every one of us deserve. But because he had never sinned, his death was a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice on our behalf. And his blood was able to cleanse us and wipe away. Our sin, he who had no sin, became sin for us, and we became his righteousness. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the cross, God was able to throw the accuser out of his presence. Because his accusations could not stand up anymore. And we are now 
those of us who are in Christ, who have been washed by His blood, we are now clean and we are pure and we are right before God. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of the blood of the Lamb. And so Satan can accuse us no more. When Jesus is lifted up, the accuser is cast down. And so the very blood that cast him out invites us in to the presence of God. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can now boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Satan is no longer in God's presence, and you and I now are in God's presence. And it's all because of the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, who gave his life, shed his blood, and our faith in him, our union with him through baptism, makes us right and holy and victorious over the enemy. We can overcome the devil through the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. And right now, All over the world, Christians are defying the dragon and declaring that Jesus is king. Some of them have paid a tremendous price for doing so. We have the skeletons who were missionaries in Romania for years. This story comes from Romania. A man named Richard Wormbrand, he was in prison for 14 years in that communist country Endured horrendous torture. Later, he went on to found the voice of martyrs. Wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. And in that book, he writes this paragraph. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege Of preaching Jesus. So we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached. And they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating. Everybody was happy. It's unsure whether you should laugh at that or not. I think he meant it to be humorous. But it's such a serious situation. That the humor feels wrong doesn't it. You see what Jesus has done. He's come into dragon territory and he has nullified the dragon's most potent weapon. The weapon that the devil has held over all of mankind is death. It's our, the thing we fear. The thing that's unknown. Death. We hold on to life. We fight against death because death is his most potent weapon. But Jesus has nullified death. How did Jesus nullify death? Through his resurrection. He overcame death. He lives and he reigns. And all who will be with him will live. And so Satan can now only threaten to kill us, but he can't actually kill us. Because in Christ, according to John in his gospel, we have moved from death to life. 
Death isn't the end. Life is the end. We have moved from death to life. There's, there's actually nothing that we can lose here anymore because even for us to die is to gain. To gain eternal life. I read this line in an obituary just a couple of days ago. If you hear that Peg is dead, don't believe it. I am more alive right at this moment than I have ever been. Hallelujah. That is what is awaiting us. Death is not awaiting us. Life is awaiting us. And it is awaiting us because Jesus has conquered death, the most powerful weapon that Satan had. And he's made that weapon powerless. And so we are no longer afraid to die, brothers and sisters. That's the reality. We are no longer afraid to die. And in Revelation, the word martyr and the word witness are the same word. And Revelation 6 shows us that all those who have been martyred for their witness, they have not been lost. They have not been forgotten. All of those through all the ages who were martyred for their witness are now under the altar at the throne of God. They're in his presence. And their prayers go up. And God hears. On the average today, around the world, 10 people will give their life for Christ. Every day. And their number is growing. They give their life. They hold fast to their testimony. See, the dragon can take their lives. But their testimony is taking back ground that he once claimed. Because this war has already been decided. The dragon could not conquer heaven. He cannot hold on to earth. The heavenly song declares that the dragon is filled with fury. Why is he filled with fury? Because he knows that his time is short. Now it seems long to us. Let's be honest about that. 2,000 years is a long time for us. But 1,000 years is a day to the Lord. So it's been two days ago. It's hard for us to have that perspective. But the devil knows that his time is short. In that perspective, he only has days to live. That's why the demons would ask Jesus, have you come? Is this, a, is this the appointed time? Because every one of them know that there is an appointed time for them. There's an appointed time for the devil and for what I just like to call his minions. And they know it and they tremble. The irony is that they tremble before him, but they don't want you to tremble before him. And even though they know without a shadow of a doubt who Jesus is, they are committed to keeping the world in doubt. The dragon's time is short. He knows how it will end. And again, God through John gives us a glimpse of how it will end. You hear a lot about the battle of Armageddon and how the world's going to end. Let me tell you what Revelation says. It's in Revelation chapter 19. And in that great final battle scene, Jesus as the king of kings and as the Lord of lords rides in on a white horse. Now the symbolism of that is that usually it was after the victory that the king would ride out on a white horse. But in this battle, 
Victory is so sure and confident that Jesus rides in on a white horse. And in the scene, Jesus has blood on his robe. There's been no battle yet. The battle, the blood isn't drawn by the enemy. The blood was given by Jesus. It's his own blood. It was the blood that was shed on the cross. It's the blood that evicted the serpent from heaven. It is the blood that washes away your sin. It is the blood that makes possible for people to enter into the presence of God. Here's the most amazing thing about the battle scene in Revelation chapter 19. You read it. There is no battle. They come for battle. And the king of kings speaks a word and it's all over. There's no battle. His word is that powerful. He brings the end. The dragon is hurled down one last time. The first time he was hurled down from heaven to earth. The second time he will be hurled down from earth to the fire. And he will never be allowed to terrorize heaven or earth again. The reign of the king of Jesus will be recognized by every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to do it one day. Will you do it today? That's the question. That's, that's the challenge of revelation is go ahead and believe this truth. So start, start allowing his reign to be in your life today. Start living as a victor today. Start bowing before him today. Start confessing him today. Because even in a dark, hard, messy world, even in dragon territory, even under the threat of suffering and death, cosmic Christians bow before Jesus as king. General Jonathan Wainwright was a World War II general who fought in the Pacific War. He was captured by the Japanese. He was truly, cruelly treated In his own words, he was a broken man. And then one day, an American colonel and soldiers marched up to the camp and liberated the camp and announced that the war is over. No battle had been fought there, but they announced that the war is over. And they looked at General Wainwright before they moved on and they said, you're the reigning, you're the the ranking officer. You're now in charge of the camp. This broken man was now in charge of the camp. And he says that as he walked around and as the other prisoners came out of their cells and began to walk around, some of his tormentors who had been in charge began to taunt him and began to, to give him orders But he said, I stood up with all the strength that I had. And I said, you are not in control here anymore. I'm the one who is giving orders now. And you know what? They obeyed him. Satan, the great dragon, still roams the earth. Acting like he is in control. And acting like he is in power. And acting like he has authority. And like he has rule. And because of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. In whatever way he comes against us. Can stand with the strength that we have. And say to him. You are not in control here anymore. Jesus. Is the victor. 
Jesus is the king. And we overcome through the blood of the lamb. And through the word of his testimony. Because even in dragon territory, the dragon is no match for the lamb. The symbolism is incredible in Revelation. This great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and a tail that sweeps a third of the stars out of the sky. This enormous, terrifying, threatening presence is defeated by a lamb. More than that, a lamb slain. Because it's the cross. See, love is stronger than hate. Good is stronger than evil. Humility is stronger than pride. Self-sacrifice is stronger than self-preservation. Giving is stronger than taking. Submitting is stronger than demanding. Last is stronger than first. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. And the Lamb is stronger than the dragon. And so let's go back to the cross. In fact, let's never leave the cross. But this morning, let's remember the cross. Would you take your bread? And just let the truth of what Revelation has taught us this morning resonate with you. As we remember Jesus. Lord, we. We bow before you. This people. This morning. We acknowledge you. Yes, as our savior and yes, as our Lord. We acknowledge that you, Jesus are the Son of the Most High God who has always been and who is and who will always be and that you came in the flesh and that you came to defeat our enemy and to save us and that you did that on the cross. And so we take this bread And we remember your broken body given for us. Amen.